We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. If you're new here, I'm Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated over on Fan Nation. Welcome into our Friday Flock Talk edition of the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm joined by Ryan Winter, aka Sports Chat 503. And uh, in this episode, we're kind of just, we're keeping it broad. Friday Flock Talk, we kind of want to talk anything Ducks, but you know how we do here on the Ducks Dish Podcast. We primarily talk about football and recruiting, so we definitely have some storylines in that regard that we want to get into. But before we hop into the podcast, whether you guys are listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or you're tuned in live here on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're here live, do me a favor and hit the subscribe button and throw some comments and questions our way in the live chat section so we can get you guys involved and better cater the show to what you guys want to talk about. So with all that being said, Ryan, how we doing, buddy? Thanks for being here. Uh, great, Max. Appreciate you, man. Absolutely. It's always fun to hop on here. And I know you're a, you know, a, a figure in the in the Duck YouTube com- community, so it's always fun to, to bring our audiences together. Let's go. Of course, man. I'd love to share, man. That's what I'm all about, man. Let's talk ducks. All right. All right. So let's start with some some football headlines. Uh, I think the most notable one today that we saw was a report from On3, Matt's, Matt Zenitz. Uh, that is that Oregon is reportedly hiring Bob Gregory, the former Washington defensive coordinator, to an analyst role. For, for people who maybe aren't familiar with, with uh, his name, like I just said, he was the D.C. in Seattle, and he took over the interim coach duties after Jimmy Lake got fired last season. And he was also the Oregon defensive back coach in the late 90s. So we have a guy with some duck experience, and he has a lot of coaching experience all over the West Coast. So I think just off the top, Ryan, reaction for me, I really like this move. You know, not only do you get to take someone from the, the you know, the Huskies, but you're bringing a guy who has tons of coaching experience, coordinator experience, more specifically, and you're hiring him to uh, a, a smaller role. And I don't, I don't think that's a, a downgrade per se, but I think just bringing in really qualified coaches to just kind of help elevate the program in any way is is always going to be a good thing. Yeah, I agree. I, I I think it shows more. Oregon's willing to spend money on an assistant staff. 
And I think that they're building a huge staff and that's the way these, that's the way they're doing it now. I mean, you go back in time, coaching staffs were smaller. Uh, there's position coaches and now there's assistance to position position coaches. Now there's uh, graduate assistants that work with different uh, uh, departments. There's a tremendous amount of money being spent in these coaching staff budgets. So <clears throat> again, I think more heads on deck is better, especially on the defensive side. I think Lanning's going to have a tremendous defense this year. I think he's got the players to do it. And I think he's going to have a lot of fun putting these plans together. I think that most of the coaching staff feels like the real heavy hitters are going to be focused on the uh, defensive side. Not to say that there's not great uh, uh, offensive coaches. I think they assembled a great staff, but it feels like their top flight coaches were all going to be defensive guys in my mind. Uh, Tosh Lupoy, other guys who they wanted from the get go. Uh, and I feel like uh, this is going to be just another opportunity to have more uh, uh, eyes on this thing. And obviously the way that they're running, with recruiting the way they're running with uh, uh, practices and running through film and just analyzing every single play that they put on tape. I think it's important to have guys in a variety of different roles that, you know, might be different than your average coach and delegating is the most important tool for uh, Dan Lanning at this point. It's not all on him. He's going to spread out the uh, responsibilities to the whole staff. And again, I think it's nice having a guy that just came off of Washington one, uh, and, and he saw some good defenses up there. I think the players may be a little bit better than the scheme, but, uh, you know, still recruiting, having sort of a connection to the Ducks before, I think is all going to be a pretty positive deal for them. Yeah, bring, bringing in the the experienced coaches for for to fill out this, uh, this, you know, his assistant coaching pool, I think is, is definitely a big point for, for Lanning to hit on. Ryan, I'm, I'm kind of curious, one of the recent trends that we saw – that we have seen in college football, I feel like, and saw recently with, with Mario Cristobal at Oregon is that they would surround themselves with former head coaches, either as coordinators or position coaches. We saw that with Bobby Williams at Oregon. That's one that, that comes to mind. Uh, I think Tim DeRuiter was a head coach at some point. I want to say I'm kind of blanking on that specifically, but I think surrounding yourself with head coaches or people who have had these larger roles is, is a good trend. And I think it might help make up for for a little bit of that experience gap that that Lanning has just naturally being a younger coach. So I think that especially like to your point, I, I wanted to get into that about um, about a lot of these heavy hitting coaches being on defense. I think that that also opens the door for for a lot of these younger guys on offense to prove themselves and, and just show up hungry. Yeah, I agree. I, I... I think if you're a coach and, and you're especially on the defensive side, you're looking at this as a very unique opportunity. I mean, there's some serious horses on the defensive side ready to go, ready to prove themselves. These guys are very hungry. They're still hungry. You know, that the way that last year's uh, season ended is just giving more fuel to the fire. And that's all I've heard from these guys throughout the whole offseason is this is we're a hungry team. This is going to be a wild, wild show to watch. And what Cristobal said on his way out was really important. He says, hey, man, I left the cabinet completely stocked. There's a tremendous amount of talent there. There's multiple years. They're all young. They're all hungry. They're ready to go. He's not leaving the cupboard bare. And these guys aren't taking over something that is a complete rebuild. And so these offensive uh, guys historically have to come in and completely shake the whole new deck. The defensive guys usually try to just piecemeal something together. This is not the case in a normal 
coaching staff. This is a situation we have a brand new coaching staff that has a really solid amount of defensive athletes. And then offensively, you've got some things in the piece as well. I mean, imagine being Clem. He comes in and the whole starting line's there. I mean, that that's pretty unique to be a coach and be like, all right, where do we start? So I, I'm, I'm excited about the defensive side. Um, I'm excited that the focus is going to be on the defensive side. I'm, I'm excited that I think that's where Oregon needs to hang its hat. And as, as offenses get more and more exotic, you're going to have to continue to find some way to stop or slow down these offenses. And, you know, my dad, a guy uh, who I love near and dear, but he's a simpleton, man. He keeps it very simple. He's like, hey, when the Ducks have a good defense, they're good. And any time in the history, they've been that. The Joey Harrington era, the Achilles Smith uh, era, the uh, Dennis Dixon era. Yes, you had good quarterbacks with that, but they all had good defenses. And then obviously, even with Marcus, I mean, there were some serious defensive players there. NFL talent, uh, DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead, two perfect examples. They played on the same line. I mean, they're now they're anchoring two different NFL lines, which is pretty amazing to think about. So I do think that this is going to be a really nice transition. I don't know if necessarily they're going to be able to uh, uh, show up on that first game and really showcase what they're going to do. But hopefully by the end of the year, they're playing their best football. Hard to think of a better barometer to, to see where a team is at than the defending national champions. Granted, they are losing a lot of talent, but you know they're still going to be showing up as a really, really quality team. And to your point about the, the defensive staff, I really like how that lines up with just where the roster is, how so much of that talent is is on defense. I feel like it's just ready to – they're chomping at the bit. We want to see if Justin Flo can – what he looks like with, with Noah Sewell for you know a full season – Jeffrey Bossa looking like he's going to stay inside linebacker, at least to start spring ball. There's so much versatility, and I feel like this staff is really well-equipped to, to see where these guys line up best and get the most out of them. But that's not to say that the offensive staff isn't very qualified as well. Adrian Clem, definitely one of the veteran coaches, and, and he walks into a great situation, like you mentioned, with all the veterans there. Junior Adams is a West Coast guy, and, and he has a, a pretty strong track record as well you got to think that that young group of wide receivers is just ready to to make their impact. Dante Thornton, Troy Franklin, Chris Hudson. And, and I, I really like what they have there. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to say about the, the Gregory hire or any, or just how, how Lanning has built his staff. I, uh, as I was saying that something kind of came up to came to mind. One thing I like Ryan that, that they're doing with this staff is, is how they're bringing a lot of former players back on board whether it be in you know a, a recruiting role or an analyst role, I think that really goes a long way because they can speak to where the program has been and where they want it to go. And having that player's perspective for a coach who isn't from out here, I think that's really valuable because it's going to help inform his thinking, what works, what doesn't work. And Lanning has said as much at the start of spring ball, just about constantly evaluating, constantly giving players feedback. And, and he knows as a first time head coach, he's going to have to be receptive to any feedback that, that comes his way. And it, it, right now, at least it, it seems really genuine that that's kind of what he's going to do. And I really like that. We're, we're getting more ducks back on the staff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, I, I think that's where the real success long-term is. And, when, you know, you go back to Joey and the letter, quote unquote, and everything else, there was real concern from, let's just say, my section of Autzen Stadium, the guys who are in their 40s or 50s or maybe even 60s who 
you know, were a little bit hesitant about, you know, maybe a coach coming in that was going to end up leaving in a couple of years. And they were kind of be willing to, you know, maybe not take such a, a high hire or a, a prospect as a hire and maybe go with the safe bet. And, you know, I think having guys who have already been in your program continue to work up the ranks and give opportunities to, I think keeps any coaching staff kind of tethered to the area and connected to the former uh, teams and connected to the alumni and the fan base. And I also think there's a tremendous amount of talent out there. The ducks have had some seriously good teams. I mean, I think I, I saw something the other day that was the, the from year 2000, they have like the best winning percentage in football in the conference. I mean, they have had some great teams and they've had some great players. So why would you not try to have some of those guys connect with your program? And uh, I I'm really excited for it. I, you know, one of the coolest things I think just talking about coaching staff is the willingness to kind of make new decisions and, 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 and try new things. And not to say that what was done before was incorrect, but there's a lot of ways to play football. And there's a lot of ways to scheme up these plays. And, uh, and, and I really believe that Dan Lanning wants speed over everything. And he's said it numerous times in these uh, press conferences after these uh, practices, they only had the first two practices, but, he said it over and over. And one of the moves that I really like is Adrian Jackson going to the middle linebacker. That's all about speed. And that's also talking about keeping Jeff Bossa there. That's all about speed. Now, you know what you have with Noah Sewell. You have a very, very strong run blocker. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have that great of a guy in the flat to cover a lot of different backs, which they got in trouble with last year. They got in the middle. They were wide open. Now, part of it, I think, that was scheme. But they could not stop that open in the middle, third down. You knew it was coming, and you knew that the chains were going to be moving. And I think there's a lot of speed with flow, but we have to see if he can obviously do it, stay healthy. There's a lot of question marks for him. But he has, I think, the biggest chip on his shoulder. He has the most to prove. He's going to come out like his hair's on fire. And I truly believe that this coaching staff knows exactly what they've got, and they're going to put and package up some of the best players at these positions. I think that's a hell of a deal. I also think that that says something that they're not concerned with the outside linebacker position. I mean, they moved uh, Jonathan Flo to corner. <laughs> I mean, so there's like, there's some other things that are going on there that are just exciting. As a, as a, as a fan, you're like, let, let's see how he does there. This is a guy <laughs> that could fly around as a big dude. And uh, so, yeah. And then, you know, I still think that there's possibilities uh, for what this looks like for recruits. Because I think recruits see everything that's happening and all the moves that are happening. And they want to know where do they fit in. And so a lot of times I believe that the recruiting aspect, the most important thing you can give recruits is that opportunity of playing time. I think they want to go where they can play, especially now with the transfer portal. You don't really have kids locked in. These kids can go when they want. So if you don't have playing time for them or if you don't have an opportunity for playing time for them, they're gone. And they, may, they might not even show up in the first place because they got other options. But I think that's kind of another thing where they want to look and see how are these coaches utilizing these players? And it felt like last year, one of the big complaints about this team was, especially defensively, is they maybe just didn't get enough out of the athletes that they had. They didn't utilize the talent on the field. And there was times when it feels like maybe they were uh, thinking about it too much. They were checking the wristbands. And I mean, there was some there was some weird stuff going on last year that maybe they can clean up this year sense of efficiency, trying to get things right, trying to get things in fast. But Dan Lanning said over and over and over, speed, 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 fast on the field. 
And I think that's the new modern defense is to just have people in a variety of different places that can recover and react and, and not give up the big play. There's a lot of really good stuff there, Ryan, that you mentioned. You talked about some of the the position changes that we saw reflected on, on that initial spring football roster that came out at the start of spring ball. Uh, and I think that the the move for Flo makes some sense just when you consider how crowded the linebacker room is and how he came to Eugene with a little bit of a slighter frame for a linebacker. They need some help in the back end, so why not you know throw him back there and, and see what he can do, see if he can make it a little bit more of an impact over there. And I like the move with Adrian Jackson. He's been a guy that we've kind of been waiting to break through ever since he got to Eugene, since he's battled some injuries. We wanted the last staff wanted to, to make him more than just a third down guy. I thought a lot of his value came from rushing the passer. And to your point about moving guys around and, and trying different things, being willing to try different things to get the most out of the, the athletes that they have. That was something that I'm actually already seeing, you know, coming to fruition in the recruiting conversations that I've had lately. I just did a video yesterday, uh, an Oregon prospect spotlight on Rainier Beach corner, Caleb Presley. I'm not sure if you saw that, but that was yeah. one, of, one of the high profile guys that they brought in just last weekend. Uh, Josh Connerly, the, the big time 2022 old lineman is also at Rainier Beach and he was on campus for a visit. But I bring that up to say that he was telling me when I was asking him about, you know, hey, who'd you get to hang out with? What are some of the conversations that you have with players? He got to hang out with Dante Thornton and Brian Addison with Addison being a corner kind of after moving around a little bit at Oregon and, and what Addison was telling him, you know, that he re- relayed to me was that, you know, Lanning showing us things that we, we more or less like had never seen before. Tosh the is bringing in some, some scheme about what he's learned from, from the NFL and they're just implementing some, some new things. And, and I think that having that willingness to try new things is, is going to be super valuable because you have to think this wasn't a defensive guy, but, I was actually going to reference how Dillingham said that this is going to be a system that people want to play in. But now that I think about it, I think that in Lanning's intro intro press conference, he was saying that as a whole, we're going to make this a system that players want to play in. So it sounds like we're already seeing some of that reflected in being willing to innovate, see what worked, what didn't work from, from the past season. And I think that you're spot on with just the defense was pretty solid, but I think the, the lack of consistency and, you know, the whole bend, don't break thing, saw some head scratching play calls. I think that, you know, some of those things are hopefully going to get cleaned up next year. And I think that the talent that they have on this roster is going to put them in a really good spot to take that step forward. But it's not going to be super easy just with it being the first year of a new system. Yeah, I completely agree. And they'll be tested. I think there's really good offenses out here at Pac-12. I mean, again, I think the Ducks have one of the better teams in the conference, but you're going to be tested. I mean, uh, especially at the end of the year, we've talked about this, you know, numerous times since the schedule was released, you know, that last month is a tough one and Oregon state's going to bring it offensively. They're going to continue to get better. Uh, Washington's going to obviously improve. You can't get, you can't stay down there for that long. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, what you have for Utah. So I, I think, uh, they're going to have their hands full. Uh, I, I'm not that concerned with the Georgia offense, I think they can actually keep that game close. I'm, I, I think that they're obviously up against it. Georgia's, you got to give all the respect to them. It's no insult, but I think what Oregon's going to bring to the table in this Georgia game could be very reminiscent of what we saw when they went out to Ohio State, where there was a team that was ready to play and another team that maybe was still trying to find the new pieces to the puzzle. 
Because again, these, these teams just reload. You know the talent's there, but it's about how do they all fit together and how do they work together and coming off of COVID and whatever the case may be. There's maybe a lot of reasons why Ohio State came out a little flat in that game, but Oregon didn't, and Oregon played their best game of the year. Well, if Oregon shows up in this first game, boy, all bets are off, man. This could be an insane season. And, you know, high expectations, I think, are the norm. I think they're encouraged. They're inspe- they're, they're, they're expected at this point. But you, you got to also kind of temper them a little bit, knowing that it's a brand new coaching staff, has, has not worked all together. They do have a lot of time to get it done, though. They've got a great spring opportunity, good summer and fall. I think I, I think there's going to be some high expectations out here. And I would love to see how the recruiting goes, because I think that like you said, you know, even with your channel, like you got to focus on recruiting. That's what it's all about at Oregon right now. Like the X's and O's are one thing, but it's about building the brand. It's about continuing to continue to focus on who the next guy to fill the next spot. And that's going to be the exciting part for this coaching staff. If this coaching staff is here for four to five years, they could put together some serious, serious recruiting classes and it starts right now because just like you saw in the last year, as soon as he got here, there are recruits that are willing to go ahead and keep coming back. And now, like even with the Josh Connerly situation, you know, that's a big carrot right now. And and that's a, that's a guy who they really want. And that's a guy who they're rolling out the red carpet for. And, uh, you know, that, that weekend, a couple weekends ago, was a huge recruiting weekend for them uh, with the first pr- uh, practice and whatnot, our first couple of practices there. Um, and... You know, they had the huge weekend when we uh, were hanging out at the uh, basketball game as well. So they're putting on the show right now and they're trying very hard to impress a lot of these kids. And, uh, you know, maybe Bob Gregory is is also uh, connected into the recruiting side of it as well. Uh, Maybe he's just the film guy. I don't know. But there's a lot of guys on deck here. They're getting the job done either way, but they're going to get tested. This is going to be a big year for the Pac-12. Yeah, just to just to stay on recruiting for for a sec there, Ryan. With uh, with Josh Connerly, he's definitely the probably one of the biggest fish still on the fish still left in the pond. I, I'm trying to think of the the expression, but he's still he's one of the biggest guys that's left on the board here uh, in the 2022 class. They they also brought in the Overton brothers last weekend with uh, LT Overton reclassifying t- from 2023 to 2022. Lane has made it a massive priority to beef up the defensive line. And you think if have if you add the Overton brothers to that line, it's just gonna be crazy the amount of depth that they have. But recruiting is is where it's at for this Oregon team right now. And I think that starting spring practice when they did to line that up with the huge group of visitors that they had last year, Kyler Casper, the Arizona wide receiver, was just another guy. He's starting to get a lot of attention from the Ducks, and uh, he's starting to get some crystal ball picks to Oregon. Having him on campus was big. Mateo Uyunglele, that was really big. The St. John Bosco defensive end. And I'm fully confident. I'm not going to predict it at any point. I'm not going to predict it right now because I don't want to get myself in trouble or anything. But I'm fully confident that this Oregon staff under Dan Lanning can at least meet or exceed the the recruiting mark that Mario Cristobal got the Ducks to. These are, these are two different staffs, obviously. But we've talked before about how recruiting is a young man's game. It's it's about effort and having a younger staff that can relate to players is a huge benefit. That's something that I've already been hearing from recruits. And 
And I think with the blueprint that has been laid here, Lanning has picked up right where, where the previous staff left off. So I think that right now, as far as the recruiting and, and where things stand with Oregon, it's been a while since they got a commitment, right? As far as the 2023 class, that was Cole Martin on New Year's Day. But with these big recruiting weekends that they've had, they've just been able to stack and stack visitors. And I think that the, the momentum is definitely building. And you got to think, Ryan, for all we know, there could be guys that are ready to hop on board right now. But with how much strategy is involved with this recruiting game, the staff could be saying, hey, wait, wait a little bit longer. Let's see how if, if we can get this guy in the fold and then we'll tell you to you know, make the move. Because I think that's an underrated kind of uh, factor with, with recruiting that I think maybe doesn't get talked about enough because that's a, a big piece of it is how, how can you not only create momentum, but how can you sustain it? And a big part of that is going on these runs of commit after commit after commit. And I'm excited to see when that happens. And we're just about a month away from the spring game, which is the marquee recruiting event of the year for the Ducks, not to mention Saturday Night Live. But right now, I would probably say spring game is a little bit higher up on that priority list. And we've seen a little bit more fruitful results. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you talk about the spring game for this team right now, for this coaching staff right now, it's the number one thing. And they have had this circled. They've been talking about it. They talk about it in every press conference almost. Almost all the coaches do. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just – it's a big one. I think the spring game is one of those things that really excites the fan base. I think that it's one of those things where you go to the game and you get to see a lot of players. You don't get to see a lot of kids play when they are in the regular season, the young guys. Uh, you get to see a lot of them play when they are um, in the spring game. You know the Ducks are going to win either way. It's a very festive atmosphere. Um, I love this year they're partnering up with the baseball game. So I'll go to the baseball game after the spring game. It's a great day in Eugene. Hopefully the weather cooperates. But, yeah, no, it's it, it, the way that you just try to pack Ots in as best you can, it's nowhere near what you see in the South. I mean, and it never was. I mean, I remember going to the spring game in like the 80s. There would be probably be maybe 120, 200 people there. I mean, there's not – it's not <laughs> – maybe, maybe a couple thousand. I said a little bit, a bit of exaggeration, but – it's, it's, it's blown up. It's now, a, it's now a thing. And, you know, people are tailgating. <laughs> I mean, they're doing the whole thing and they're trying to replicate that thing. And again, I think part of the vibe is just Austin stadium alone. I think getting the kids into Austin stadium, getting the recruits into Austin stadium and allowing them to kind of feel the vibe there is, is a positive deal. I think what Oregon brings to the table is unique. And I think that's the whole thing. You got to get them on campus and you got to show them that uniqueness uh, you can talk about it on the phone. You can do it on a Zoom call. You can show them through the pamphlets. But until they're actually there and they actually feel the vibes, uh, I, I think it, it, it falls on deaf ears a little bit. It, it's so far away for a lot of these kids, especially from the South. Eugene is is just a, a complete another world away. Uh, and, uh, you know, now that you're in an opportunity to where all your games are on television, you know, there was a barrier for a lot of years on just access to games. Still access. is. There still is. Sure. Sure. I mean, yeah, the pack, the damn Pac-12 network. There's you can't even see it in LA. It, it, there, there's a lot of issues there, right? But it's just one of these things. I think as as uh, the the sport continues to grow, uh, there's just more and more access uh, for these kids, and I think that's fantastic. If you're a college football fan, you should be excited about that. It just just to take a quick second here, shout out to uh, exploring with Ben and Sam for the comment. If you guys are watching in the live stream. Go ahead and smash that like button for us. Show us some love. We're really excited to, to be here with you guys talking some ducks on a Friday night 
on this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Friday Flock Talk, trying to make it a recurring feature. So appreciate you guys being here. But Ryan, when you were talking about selling, sorry, no, about the atmosphere and the vibes with Otson, this is something I, I always point to the example of Sir Mel's because he's a guy that I, I covered a lot before he committed to Oregon and ended up signing. And he was someone who I felt after I talked to him, he just needs to get on campus. And then I think it's going to happen. And then sure enough, he got here in June after the dead period ended and he popped. But with the spring game in particular, I think it's even bigger because it's it's the the only opportunity before the season starts for the fans to pack Godson. Like you were saying, for everyone to get here, it's an opportunity for Eugene as a city and as a community, the Oregon football community, the Oregon community for sports and the staff to to get Odson ramped up as much as they can and to try to essentially tell recruits, hey, this is kind of what a game day atmosphere looks like. And especially with, I mean, this is the first spring game in three years that they'll be able to attend, right? I think. Yeah, um, two, the last two you haven't been able to, right? Yeah, because I, I know that the media was allowed to go the last years, but I don't think any fans right. were, unless right. I'm just having a massive brain fart. So, like, that anticipation is yeah. just building right. even more. So, and if they can get a good turnout, here's another point. It's like, hey, this is just our spring game. Can you imagine how many people are going to be here and what the atmosphere is going to be like in the fall? I mean, I, I've lived in Eugene for about a year and a half, and I've you know been coming to, to games for a long time, and it's real hard to be a fall Saturday in Eugene when the Ducks are playing and there's a packed Odson Stadium. I Maybe you get a, get a little bit of rain or some mist at some point in there, fresh air, some some barbecue smells, tailgating atmosphere. It's just it just I say all of that. I know I'm kind of getting ramped up here. If you can tell, I miss football a lot. Um, but yeah, it's just it's all of that that goes into it, Ryan, and and, and selling the program making Oregon look appealing to, to these recruits that are coming in. And then when I was talking about the momentum and the timing of the commits, the timing of the visits is also super, super crucial. There could be guys right now that are saying, Hey, I want to get out to Eugene. And I don't think the staff's explicitly saying it, but they could be telling themselves, you know, within those meetings, Hey, let's, let's tell them to wait a second. Let's tell them to wait to come out to that spring game. Cause it's going to be way more worth it. Yeah. I, and I, I like what I also like about the spring game is there's a tremendous amount of people who go to Autzen for the spring game, they never go to a regular season football game. It's a free event. You bring the cans of food. You're supporting the Lane County Food Bank. And I, I there's, I mean, people bring their families. There's like, you know, eight, 10 kids. You know, they wouldn't, they don't, they don't have the opportunity to bring that many kids to a game with the ticket prices the way they are. And so I, I like the vibe there. Again, I think you're right. I think that, that there's a lot of things involved with selling to a recruit. It used to be, I always kind of just made the joke that, the average recruit was there for playing time and the girls on campus. And if he was able to be proved that there's uh, beautiful women on campus and he was going to get a chance to play, where do I sign? Uh, now it's about the money. It's about the NIL. It's about the, the, the brand. It's about what, how much TV time or it, I think it's still about the playing time. I think it's still about the females a little bit, but I do think that the opportunity is, is these guys are looking for, Who's going to give me the best shot to get to the next level? I think everybody, no matter where they're at on that roster, is trying to do something with this. Either they're going to go professional, they're going to go into coaching, they're going to go and do something with this at some point in time. There's other people who are like, hey, 
After my four years are up, I'm done playing football. I'll never go back to it. I'll be a banker and whatever else. I mean, whatever. But I think there's a lot of people who are looking to try to take the next level, take the next step. And you know what? Let's do it. Uh, uh, the, 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 the idea behind recruiting is where are you going in this world, right? And as, as a high school teacher myself, you know, that's something we talk about all the time is what are you going to do next? You know, what, why do you want to do that? Where do you want to go? Well, why do you want to do that? And these guys have so many options. D1 athletes have so many options, especially the elite guys, uh, that every one of their choices would be great. <laughs> they're, they're choosing between good, great, 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 good, great, great. I mean, so it's hard. And families have a lot of influence. Uh, you know, mom has a choice. You know, I love that clip of that mom uh, with the Alabama sweatshirt and the kid picks the Georgia hat and she just walks off the stage. <laughs> like there's, you can tell there's some real tension behind some families. Like that mom wants me to go someplace. Dad wants me to go someplace. Uncle wants me to go someplace. Everybody's got their, uh, their choices. And uh, it, it's hard for these kids. These kids are 18 years old, trying to make the best decision for themselves. And that's why I think you're going to see such greatness in the transfer portal. And I'm on team Transportal. I'm totally on board. Because I think a lot of times kids go and they're like, you know what? This isn't what I thought it was. This isn't this isn't exactly what they were promising to me. Maybe it's a uh, th- that sort of an issue where they're promised a bill of goods that doesn't really you know follow through with or whatever. But I think a lot of kids just go around and they're like, you know what? I think that place might be better, and they're just going to jump over to that place because it might be better at that point. And it and it does well for. Them. I mean, look at the tournament this year. How many kids we've seen transfer? Uh, and they're now on a different team. You're like, wait a minute. Didn't you play for Utah last year? Wait a minute. Didn't you play for uh, Cal last year? And now they're taking their teams to their new teams to the, to the next uh, tournament. So uh, I, I think it's a positive deal. I think you have to be very honest and open and transparent with all these kids uh, and tell them exactly what they're doing. Everybody's got nice facilities now. Obviously, Oregon's are, are, are very good, if not the best. But everybody's got nice facilities. Everybody's got great offers. Everybody's got NIL money. Some people have more than others. It's just about choosing what's going to be best for them. And for a lot of kids, uh, Oregon is not the best option. Uh, and and you got to respect that too. So I, I think the, the social media world and, and building the brand at such an early age and the hype videos and the amount of quality films some of these kids put. I mean, some of these kids are just dominating people at sophomore year. And they're like, oh my God, this is going to be the next LT. Oh my God, this is going to be the next Vaughn Miller. Oh my God, this is going to be the next whatever. And you never hear from again. So it's like, you got to be careful on the recruits. Sometimes uh, they pan out. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes the late bloomers are the guys. I mean, how many guys are in the NFL that went to a small college that didn't get any recruits at at, 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 at a high school? They had to go to a small college, East Tennessee State, Appalachian, whatever the case may be. And and here they are. They're one of the best players of all time in the NFL. So it's it's recruiting is an inexact science. You got to put out as many feelers as you can. You got to try to get as many people on campus as possible to check it out. But at the end of the day, uh, uh, you're you're dealing with the best of the best of the best. And if you can re- be recruiting, and I love the way these guys do it with their edits, right? My top eight, my top six, my top four, my top three. Well, Oregon's in all of them. I don't. I mean, in damn near most of all these guys. So it's out there, and uh, and I think that's the most important thing for Oregon right now. Yeah, just in these you know past couple of minutes, Ryan, we've just highlighted some of the complexities with recruiting why it's it's such an inexact and imperfect science and Oregon's in a great position to to capitalize on a lot of these recruits that that they've been pursuing for a long time and that Dan Lane and his staff sat down and said hey 
these guys are priorities for us. So we're going to go full steam ahead. We're going to keep it rolling here on this episode of the Ducks Dish podcast and start to get to some of your guys' questions. We're just going to take a quick step away for an ad break. So stay with us. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, we are back on the Ducks Dish podcast. Thank you guys for sticking around after that that uh, ad break. Um, Real quick, so Norcore Ty says, my first question is eating me up, literally dying. Uh, I wanted, so we'll get to your question, man. I just wanted to give you guys a, a, a quick little notice, um, a heads up. You know, if, if you guys want to do a super chat, it's it's a way that you can show support to the channel. Uh, you can ask your question or have your comment. And, uh, you know, in the form of a small donation, you can, that'll, you know, go to the channel and it'll highlight the comment or question and that might help you get prioritized in the uh, questions or comments queue here in the live chat so that you can do that by going into live chat and, and going to the bottom bar and there's an option for for super chats. But with all that being said, let's get to no, no quarter ties question. How about it? So Ryan, no quarter ties question is, does the previous history of how Oregon treated their recent quarterbacks affect the quality of future quarterbacks coming in, i.e. Shuck, Brown, now possibly Nix and Thompson? I don't think Thompson will be staying willing to stay another year behind Knicks. You want to, you want to take the first stab at this one? Absolutely. I think that that's the juiciest one of them all. Thank you so much there. No quarter tie. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I've been saying that. And 
And I think Doug fans need to be ready for it. They just need to be prepared that that's going to possibly be the outcome. Um, I don't think that the previous history has that much to do with kids and recruiting. I think that kids are living in the now. Um, a lot of kids do not, do not have the sort of connection to the university that the fans do. They don't really have that much knowledge. I mean, the average recruit obviously might know, you know, DeAnthony Thomas, Marcus Mariota, you know, some of the heavyweight names, but you know, kind of the ins and outs of, of, of uh, the history past history. I don't think plays that much of a uh, uh, weight on there, but I do think that if you are Ty Thompson and you come here and you know that these guys were talking a great game, Cristobal, these guys were talking a huge game to him as like, you're going to be the next guy. You're going to be the next guy. You're going to be the next guy. And then, and, and, and it was set up that way, right? It was set up to where they, that, that wouldn't have been incorrect, right? When, when Anthony Brown leaves, he would have been the next guy, or at least been much, much more favored to be the next guy. Uh, now bringing in Bo Nix, I think is a major, major deal. I, 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 I'm still kind of torn on it. I still think that there's, there's going to be some good, there's going to be some bad, um, in looking at how these guys came into spring camp, I feel like Ty Thompson's hit the weight room pretty hard and, uh, it looks substantially bigger. And I think that's the biggest thing for me personally, is just to see the growth and development of these guys from 18, 19, 20 in there, there's a huge jump and you get a kid who's a high school senior, um, and you put him in the weights. Uh, for a, a college program. A lot of these kids have never really had a real true weight program before. And these guys swell up. And, um, you know, I also do think that this offense might lead to Jay Butterfield having a great spring. Uh, again, when you hear, when I hear pro style, I think of pro style quarterback. Now doesn't mean that Bo can't throw it. I think he can. And I think that he had some issues at Auburn. I think that he didn't have the greatest offensive line to work behind. I did think that the scheme was a little off at times there. Uh, felt like he was throwing the home run ball or he was handing the ball off or running for his life. There's not great film on him uh, being uh, a drop back quarterback and, and throwing through going through his progressions. And, and, and there's not a lot of that because I don't think that's what they were running there. Um, so I think it's a real true, honest competition at this point. Now, what happens after this spring, if, Ty has a great spring and Bo coming off the injury is maybe a step slower or, you know, trying to find it, find his way here a little bit. Then I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on this uh, coaching staff because going into it, as soon as they got Bo Nix, I think most people are like, well, he's the starter. I mean, it's, it's that automatic. I mean, he's a grad transfer. He's not going to transfer somewhere. He's not going to play. He said he's going to be here for a year, even though he has two years of eligibility, but yeah, the transfer portal is right there, and it's never been closer than in the quarterback room. I mean, Ty Thompson could literally go tomorrow, and he would be a humongous pickup for any other school. So he knows that. They're a hot commodity. and um, But I don't think the, the past history with Chuck and Brown and all that sort of stuff, I actually think that there's something to be said about Anthony Brown. I think Anthony Brown did a really good job of him being the transfer, COVID happening, and him just hitting the brakes. They gifted him the extra year, and he said, cool. He was a good teammate. He went through all the progressions. 
Shuck started all those games. They finally started working him in at the end of the year when it felt like the sky was falling a little bit. And then he came out and you know what? For all the slander, he did what he wanted to do. He had a pretty good final year. Now it didn't end the way he wanted to. And I don't think he put up the numbers maybe he wanted to, but solid quarterback. If you could have one of these guys play better than him this year, then you're going to have a great team. You're going to have a great year. So I think that if Ty gets the job and he and he plays well, then I think Bo Nix is going to be wondering, what the heck did I do this for? If, if Bo gets the job, then Ty's going to be asking, hey, how long am I going to stay and wait for this thing to open up? So especially when you're going to be getting another quarterback in this next recruiting class and in the next one, and you know that the, the best kids are going to want to come out and play here. If this, is, if this offense is exciting, I think that says more to the quarterback room than anything else. A lot of really good points there, Ryan. And man, the the whole the quarterback competition and the quarterback position right now is just super complicated at Oregon because you have Ty Thompson who's been here for a while. You have Bo Nix coming in, and you make uh, the point that I like that you made is that you know Cristobal and, and that staff they were probably selling playing time to Ty Thompson. You know, I, I don't think that if there's any position that you're not going to guarantee playing time at out the gate, I think it's got to be quarterback. Just because it's, let's be real, it's probably the single hardest position to start at as a true freshman out of the gates in college football. You know, I put defensive back right up there as well. There's just, it's so hard to be matured to the point where you are ready to start from the second you get on campus. But, so who's who's to say if this coaching transition didn't happen that Ty Thompson, you know, wouldn't be the, he, he would probably be the guy if, the the if crystal ball stayed and that coaching staff was still in place but dan lanning and this new staff come in kenny dillingham comes in they haven't been around ty since he's been to eugene they they don't know what they have in him aside from the film that they've been able to watch the conversations that they've been able to have so that's why i thought the move of bringing in a a transfer quarterback not necessarily bonix wasn't the guy that i necessarily thought that they should have gone after per se but bringing in a transfer quarterback just someone who has some more experience elevates the floor of of the offense a little bit and and is kind of a safety security blanket kind of move but all that's to say i do think that bonix is probably going to be better than than anthony brown based on some of the factors that you mentioned you talk about the great offensive line uh we've also been talking for a while this offseason about how the the quality of the defenses in the pac 12 is is far far behind the the sec that's not to say there aren't some good defenses but i think it is definitely behind the sec so that that i think you know makes it a little bit of a better situation for him but i think also based off the conversations that i've had with some recruits of late i think that when they're looking at the the history they're not so much looking at some of these guys that have been here super super recently you know they're obviously look at herbert but I think even Herbert is a really interesting example to look at because they, I don't know, they squeezed like 60% of his potential out. I don't know if that's, that's an interesting number to to get into just based on the, the bland play calling and just how he's just balling out now in the NFL. But yeah, this, this is definitely a, a very, I think reasonable question to be asking just because if, if people are just wondering how, how long until Oregon's going to stop bringing in these transfer quarterbacks and let some of these prep guys just, just have a shot at it. So just some of what we said right here, I think just touches on, you know, just part of the really complicated nature of 
a quarterback battle and much less a quarterback battle in the first year of a brand new coaching staff. So I think that all these guys are going to get a good shot. I hope Jay Butterfield gets a good shot too. Cause you know, most of these conversations that, that we see Ryan are just naming Ty Thompson and Bo Nix. And I feel like he should have as good a shot as, as anybody on the roster. And just to talk a little bit further down the line with 2023, I think the ducks are in on a number of really, really talented quarterbacks. Uh, I know that one of them just one of them that they just offered recently, uh, I believe his name is Eli Holstein. He just backed off his commitment from Texas A&M and he is out of Louisiana and the ducks come calling a couple days ago. And then he obviously has something to think about there. So Obviously, LSU is going to be a player in that recruitment as well. But I think even though the history of the Oregon quarterbacks hasn't been super consistent, hasn't been super decorated in recent seasons, I don't think it's going to stop them from getting some really high-profile guys. But I think that the uh, the curiosity and and maybe some skepticism there is is uh, warranted after what we've seen over these past couple of years. Oh, I totally agree. And I think I think Herbert helps the brand tremendously. The guy oh, looks yeah. like an NFL Hall of Famer as a rookie. I mean, the the guy's trajectory trajectory is just amazing. Uh, and his you're right. His story is 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 very important as well. You know, the, the the freshman quarterback thing. You know, in my mind, your your program there's either nobody left in the wide receiver in the uh, quarterback room, uh, or the guy is just that much better than everybody. And I think that's few and far between. I mean, uh, you know, the only two starters at freshmen have been Justin Herbert and Chris Miller, and they were, you know, 30 years apart. And uh, both those teams were in disaster mode when they started. So I think that you don't want that. I think actually there's something to be said also with the transfer portal of historically, you need some hierarchy in that room. You need to have some older guys and some younger guys. And you need to have the younger guys kind of wait for their turn a little bit from the older guys. Otherwise, the older guys are gone. So the way that this works, you give the job to the freshmen. Well, now all you have left is basically walk-ons and one backup because none of the older guys are going to wait, sit around knowing that they're never going to get a chance because the young kid gets the job. So, you know, you saw Robbie Ashford leave. And I, I actually thought Robbie Ashford would have been a great quarterback to see. Now he got hurt in, during the year, obviously, but. You know, I, d- d- when the sky was kind of falling, people were like, oh, it's got to be Ty Thompson. I wasn't really of that thought. I was like, well, maybe actually you try to keep Ty Thompson's red shirt and you can go after one of these other kids and put Jay Butterfield in or put one of their uh, Robbie Ashford in because that doesn't like it, it, it was that big of a drop off. I think both Jay Butterfield and Robbie Ashford came into this program as very high recruited players and people were very, very considerate of what they were going to bring to the table. Um, and then all of a sudden Ty comes in and it's been, you know, a couple of years of him, you know, sit on the bench now or a year of him sitting on the bench, but the, the hype behind him continues to grow. I mean, he is like the most popular Oregon quarterback of the last couple, three years. He hasn't even played barely. And so it's just one of these things where I don't know if the fan base is setting themselves up for failure a little bit by being so excited for Ty that they can't really see the coaching staff go with Bo. And if they go with Bo, they're going to be frustrated. I guarantee it. There's going to be a group of fans that are frustrated with that decision. And it's going to start off with a great one where Dan Lanning gets to start his first game with the fans upset with the quarterback choice. I hope that they go into the fall with the open camp, but I hope they make the decision quickly. 
I hope they don't extend it out like these coaches have done. They try to play the gamesmanship where they announce the starting quarterback the night before the game or the day of the game or some sort of thing. I think for the fans' sake, they should try to announce that thing early, set the tone, and start building the storylines. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we, you see how how no matter – it's kind of like a lose-lose situation, right? Because no matter who they name, there's going to be that camp of Oregon fans. It's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Like, why didn't they name this guy the starter? But – because of that, I don't think that it's going to be something that they announce early. Certainly not. Uh, certainly not at the end of spring ball. That doesn't make much sense to me. No. Um, and then I agree. It's, it makes sense to to be you know have this thing keep going. You know, in, into into the fall uh, for fall camp rather. Um, but yeah, the yeah the quarterback the quarterback conversation is is always a, a super complicated matter and and something that gets people fired up in a hurry. So that was a great question. Uh, wanted to wanted to shout out no quarter tie with the first super chat on Oregon football Max Torres. Thank you so much, uh, no quarter tie for for your donation. No quarter tie says if you guys are on podcast, you guys need to collaborate more. I've been watching you both for a while now. This coming from a Duck fan from Georgia. Thank you, thank you, thank you, man. And it's so cool, Ryan, that like YouTube has this reach. The fact that we're getting to Oregon fans that are three hours ahead like right right now it's almost 11 30 where where no quarter tie is and uh it's just been super fun to to build this platform and and we're just getting started man i really feel like we're just getting started and heck i just hit you up you know a couple hours ago like hey ryan what are you doing tonight you want to hop on and talk some ducks and 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 you hopped on so i got to give you a shout out for just always being willing to come on well, absolutely. Well, I got a lot of love for you, Max. You know, we're, we're, we're good. We, we, we hang out when we can at the games or whatnot. It's always positive vibes, always good times with you. And I really appreciate what you're trying to do. You know, I, I'm here for the brand. You know, I, I I'm, I'm a duck. Uh, there's, there's, there's no way in and out of that. I'm, 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 it's for life. And I like everybody trying to do their thing. I saw Matt frame at the game uh, last night with his boys, got to dap his boys up a little bit. And I want everybody to eat and I want everybody to have their best. I don't have any ill will for anything. I don't look at it through a lens of competition. I feel like we're everybody's on the same team here. And you know what? I, I really like guys like Mark Rogers, the voice of college football. I like guys like Paul Feinbaum who can sit on there and just open up the telephone lines for three hours a day all year long and talk about football. I, I, I think there's something to be said about that. I come from an old school perspective. I love talk radio. I love the guys who've done it for years. I'm a West Coast guy, so I'm a Jim Rome guy for years. But I just love the idea of bringing people on for interviews, having be able to talk about stuff, doing chat. And I've done this for 10 years because I've, or maybe even more now, I don't even know. But I, I, I really like the format as well. I like to be able to connect with the fans. Literally, I go to the Moda Center yesterday. I, I walk in within one minute of being in there. I hadn't even got into the arena yet. And guy hits me up behind my back. He slapped. These guys were drinking beer heavy in the Modi yesterday. This guy slapped me on the back. He's like, yeah, sports chat. Let's go. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm not even at a duck game. I'm, we're at the, 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 the Gonzaga game. We're at the UCLA game, whatever. These guys are fired up. And I think it's just really cool that, you know, you have this opportunity. There's other fans out there. There's other people trying to do some things. Uh, you know, you've got, you've got young guys trying to start their programs doing their thing. And yeah, I remember the first time I reached out to you, how, you know, I was just impressed with what you do and, and I wanted to see you uh, continue. And I wanted to, you know, kind of give people from my little channel a, a chance to see what's going on 
with you. You know, I try to do that with everybody. And uh, I love doing the chats throughout the, the off season uh, because it really kind of gives people kind of an insight. Talk to players, talk to fans, talk to media guys um, and just chat it up. I'm not a media guy myself, so I feel like personally, uh, you know, I'm here for the fans. I'm here for the average everyday person. And I do think that media is now leaning toward that. Uh, you're seeing guys uh, have platforms where they're doing podcasts and the podcasts are doing better numbers than their actual regular show. Uh, you know, you saw John Canzano leave uh, the Oregonian, start his own whole thing. Well, that's because of the success of his radio show and his podcast and everything else. Uh, you know, you see guys like I, I mentioned Mark Rogers voice college football because he he has the super chat thing all the time people are chiming in people are sending questions sending him five bucks ten bucks 25 bucks whatever the case may be that's just all showing love and i really appreciate that so best of luck to you max you know you got some solidarity here and i'm just sitting here watching the tourney man i literally have three different screens going on right here so i've got the whole tourney on blast uh colgate i'm, I'm into the colgate game i think they got a chance against wisconsin uh, but yeah, uh, just, I love sports and I love college football the most, obviously. And it's a great opportunity for us to chat, man. Right on. Well, appreciate all the kind words, Ryan. And, and you definitely did help me get into the YouTube space. You know, when we, when you first brought me on, uh, when I first got to Eugene and I was still, you know, a, a grad student looking for, uh, you know, more opportunities. So I appreciate that. We have one more question that I want to get to, and then one more storyline. Um, we're coming up on an hour here already, if you can believe it. Um, but does that, that sound cool with you? Yeah, of course. Man. I'm here. All right. Christopher has a question for us. Christopher's a longtime listener. Shout out to Christopher. Thanks for being here. Am I the only one thinking that Flo is uber talented, but like Patrick Herbert, he can't stay healthy enough to perform at this level? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's definitely a bummer that he hasn't been super healthy since he got to Eugene. I mean, he, the most he played in was a, a half against Fresno State. Um, and it's, it's no slight to him. You know, that's just kind of how the cookie crumbles. Sometimes people just don't have the best injury luck. So you talk about Patrick Herbert, he's someone that we're super excited for next year. I think he's a name that often gets lost in the conversation at tight end, just because the ducks are so deep at tight end here in the spring. Cam McCormick's coming back. You have both the, the standout freshmen that are returning with Malik and Montevau and Terrence Ferguson. So Man, I'm really hoping that Flo can stay healthy and and his he looks like he he could have the makings of, of one of the most talented linebackers at Oregon. I'm not calling him that right now, but just based on the small sample size we've seen, man, he he looks like he's just playing like a man possessed out there. And it's some of that fire that I know Dan Lane and the staff want to have on their defense in year one. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, I always like to try to compare and contrast. You know, as a history uh, guy, I'm always interested in that and. You know, my favorite uh, combination uh, as of late uh, in the in the linebackers was I, I really loved Kiko Lonzo. I thought Kiko Lonzo from was, San Jose. Let's go. I thought he was literally one of the greatest middle linebackers that ever put on the uniform. But the other guy that was super good was Michael Clay. And they both really complimented uh, each other. The games were very kind of different. And I really like what I could vision we didn't again we never even got to see it right uh but what the vision of what that would look like with noah and justin on the field together in that same sort of setting when it does look like it's a little thunder and lightning not that justin flo can't bring the thunder oh he can but i think he just flies around at such a speed and such a just i mean absolutely hair on fire is the only thing i can say i mean the guy's just apex predator and that's what i call him I mean, the guy is absolutely apex predator. He's looking to hunt every single person down 
with a vengeance. And I, I think that that can lead to maybe more injury. I mean, I've had this discussion on my channel with numerous different people saying, hey, I, I, I think the guy just plays one step away from an injury at all time. And it's just whether or not it's going to happen. And, you know, it, it's too bad. But, you know, in football is an injury sport and you got to deal with it. It's a part of the game. And I do think Flo's a warrior. I think he is absolutely the most frustrated of anybody about this situation. And I think that the guy is absolutely hot. He runs super, super hot. I feel like when it comes to people discrediting him or thinking that he can't do it, he's got that kind of like trying to find an edge sort of mentality, I think. And he is looking for all the press clippings. Everybody's saying, counting him out, this, that, and the other. And I feel like the injury was probably some of the best thing that could have happened to him. I think taking a step back, hitting the brakes a little bit, seeing the game from a different perspective, watching it from the sideline, watching a lot more film, being much more dedicated to the craft than just athletically dominating and throwing his body around. I do think that he's going to come back a better player. And I would love to see what this team does defensively. I, that's why I said I, one of my most exciting things about the whole offseason was that Adrian Jackson move. I really want to see this linebacker core absolutely destroy this year. And I think that having Dan Lanning as the, 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 the guy who it feels like he coaches from the linebackers out, you know, his mentality is very much uh, stop the run, but be creative in the past, that sort of thing. And uh, I can't wait to see what this coaching staff does with this linebacker core. So I would, I would agree. I think his game naturally leads to uh, injury, but you got to deal with it. I'd rather have that and him flying around making plays than him be hesitant and not making plays and staying healthy. The, the potential of this linebacker core is, is absolutely through the roof. You look at Jackson LaDuke coming back from injury. We got to see a glimpse of him last year. Keith Brown got a ton of playing time as a true freshman in 2021. You figure he's only going to take a step forward as well. And I'm trying to think of other guys uh, in the linebacker core, but I'm kind of just having a brain fart. Uh, Mace Keith Funa. Brown. Keith, Keith Brown. Yeah. Keith Brown, uh, Trevin Maya, you know, Mace Funa and, and Maya are more edge guys, uh, but they're people who I think are going to take a step forward, particularly Maya because he totally changed his body since he got to Eugene. But football is, you know, it's, it's a, a physical game. Injuries happen. So here's to hoping that, you know, Flo is going to be able to take that that step forward. And, and I think there's a lot of lessons that you learn from being banged up for as long as he has, you know, taking those mental reps, keeping things in perspective just waiting for that opportunity. It's going to, it's going to make him, I think a lot more motivated, like you were saying, not to say that he wasn't motivated, but uh, you got to figure that only adds fuel to the fire. The last headline I wanted to hit on Ryan um, was a big recruiting headline from uh, a couple days ago. Um, there were multiple Oregon outlets that were reporting that former Western Kentucky running back Noah Whittington had committed to Oregon Right now, those are reports. I've been working on confirming that, but but haven't been able to just yet. So we're going to talk about it. Um, you know, figure that this could be a pretty notable addition to the running back room for Oregon. You got to think that this is is a good move. I think not only because of the connection to Carlos Lachlan, the new running backs coach in Eugene, but also because the Ducks weren't able to get Jarek Broussard. He was the former Colorado running back that they got on campus for a visit, but he ultimately ended up following his former head coach Mel Tucker to East Lansing to play for the Michigan State Spartans. Uh, I really don't know a whole lot about Whittington right now, but I think that much like we see with, with the continuity between Dillingham and Bo Nix, we're seeing some of it carrying over in the backfield here as well with, with Whittington. Not the not the biggest name on the recruiting trail when he was coming out of high school. I brought up his 247 profile. 
excuse me, uh, he's a, a former three-star on the composite, only a handful of offers from, from, from some pretty small programs. But uh, in 2021, he, he ran for, let's see here, 617 yards on 101 carries, had two touchdowns and, and had 12 catches for 58 yards. So not some stats that will blow you away, but I think that this could be uh, a guy with a little bit more experience that the Ducks needed, seeing that he was a 2020 graduate coming out of high school and he's had two seasons to uh, get adjusted to the college level. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think the running back room has room to grow. I, I think that it's a position of need. I think it's a position that has been injured as of late, and you got to be prepared for that, just like the middle linebacker. I mean, last year is a perfect example of that. So why would you not move more guys into that position, right? Um, I, I tend to think running backs um, – you know, not to be insulting, but I tend to think of some of them are a little bit of a dime a dozen. Um, I, I, I think the NFL has gone to a model where they're not going to pay the running backs the big money anymore. I think they're going to go to a, a new kind of a system where they're going to pick up the next guy, the next guy, because there's so many guys who fit this mold. Uh, strong, fast, uh, can run, uh, who, 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 who want to put their head down, want to get through the line. Uh, 5'10", 5'11". 190, 200 pounds. Uh, there's a lot of athletic guys that fit that mold. There's a lot of guys around the country who find themselves in that position. Um, and, you know, uh, when they hit the weight room in a college setting, they swell up. And, you know, maybe some of these guys come on campus at 190, 180, uh, and they, they end up losing weight and then just putting on more muscle over the top of it. Um, I really like the idea of how the transfer portal works for a running back. I think running backs can utilize the transfer portal almost better than any other position because it's, it, I think it's, it's much more plug and play than any other position. I think you have blocking schemes and you have running schemes. And I think it's pretty easy to pick up if you've already been taught some of the major concepts. And again, I don't know how much Lachlan's perspective of what they were running there is going to be the same to here, but you basically can pick it up fairly quickly. And I think that the athletic perspective of these guys, you know, he might not have had the chance to, to do it down there. He might not have had the offensive line, might not have had the opportunities, but the clips that I've seen, the, some of the clips that I've seen, he's got breakaway speed. Uh, he, he, he can run through the, the tackles and he's a big dude. I mean, uh, these guys, I, I tend to think that the average high school running back going into college has just as much room to grow as the average offensive lineman has to go to college. I think there's a major transition there. I think there's some guys that can get on the edge and make a difference. Um, I think seven McGee is a perfect example. of He didn't look like a freshman. He looked like a junior coming in last year. The guy was ripped and he did go to some specific schools and some specific training, to try to get there through the COVID year. But the average freshman, I don't think is ready to go now. Look at Byron Carwell last year, right? The guy looks stacked. Again, he didn't look like a regular freshman either. So I think this running back room is going to be great. I'm just really excited for Sean Dollars. I think Sean Dollars needs to have a huge breakout year, a, a, a major season. He's another guy kind of like in the Ty Thompson crowd. There's a huge Sean Dollars fan base. And there's guys who really think that he's going to be the next guy. And it's just, just give him a chance, give him a chance, give him a chance. So this could be a big year for him. Another guy who maybe benefited from having the injury. Gives him another chance to kind of focus on the game, strengthen up his mind. The guy's very introspective, great guy, really, really good community guy. And, you know, gives him an opportunity to kind of really feel like, hey, this could be taken away from me at any moment. 
I think that's a really important thing for these guys to learn. Sometimes for the very first time in their life, they have all this athletic ability. They've taken maybe it for granted a little bit here and there. And then all of a sudden they get an injury and it feels like, wow, this could all be taken away from me at any moment. I need to be really grateful for this opportunity and maximize my opportunity going forward. I think Flo has that same mindset. I think Sean Dollars has that same mindset. Um, and, you know, Noah coming into this program would be a great addition. I don't know exactly if he's uh, cracking the starting lineup, but you know how quickly some of these guys can get injured and you can easily see him taking the field at some point, anytime. Plus you've also, if you're a running back, you've got opportunities for punt return. You've got opportunities for kickoff return. You've got opportunities to run punt team specialists, uh, run the gunner position. And you know, this guy wants to hit. I mean, that's the nice thing about these running backs is they want to lay some hat on the defensive side too. They're tired of just getting tackled. They want to make some tackles too. And I think these guys make great edge edge gunners down the sideline for the punt team and for the kickoff team. We know quarterbacks, Ryan, are the hottest commodity in the transfer portal, but I'm fascinated by what you said about running backs being some positions that really benefit the most from the transfer portal. You think with Whittington's case, he's coming to Eugene with an awesome offensive line to run behind a fairly open running back room, given the attrition of Travis Dye and CJ Verdell. And I also think that there's room for special teams guys who can contribute. They lost Jalen Red. They also lost Micah Pittman, two guys who were heavily, heavily featured in the return game on you know, punts and kickoffs. And the special teams have been so lacking. Aside from the, the field goals and, and extra points and punts, I think the coverage units have really been lacking something for Oregon these past couple seasons. And we really haven't seen too many explosive plays in the return game either. So you figure if he can't crack the starting lineup, potentially, he can still bring some added value there. And then another thing with Whittington, since he's a 2020 guy, he should have, I believe if I'm doing my math correctly, three years of eligibility left for the Ducks. So it's definitely another calculated move for the Ducks. You think with these transfer situations, a lot of guys only have one year left of of their college career. So this is definitely a big picture, longer term pickup, I think, for the Ducks. And it's really cool to to see how some of these new coaches have brought guys in from their previous stops um, and and how they're going to maybe be able to, to set themselves up for success here. And um, I liked what you said about Sean Dollars. I, I think that he's going to be a guy that hopefully comes in and can carve out a pretty significant role. He was one of the top all-purpose backs in the country coming out of modern day in the class of 2019, I believe it was. Um, so I'm, he, these guys are hungry. These running backs are definitely going to be hungry. I'm not quite sure when Winnington is going to be uh, arriving in Eugene, but if he's able to get here in the spring, that's going to be a huge plus for the Ducks, seeing that Jordan James isn't on campus just yet. So right now in spring ball, it uh, looks like the Ducks are operating with uh, Dollars, Cardwell, Seven McGee, who's listed as a receiver now. So we don't even know how much work he's actually getting at running back right now, seeing that he's trying to get a little more comfortable at receiver. But I still feel like he's going to be really involved in, in the backfield. The Ducks lost Cross Patton, a, a former walk-on who transferred to Nevada. And then they also have Aaron Smith, a walk-on from San Jose. So we're seeing a lot of San Jose representation in this podcast. So I'm I'm all about it. Um, I always get super happy when I talk about my hometown, but, uh, yeah, this is, this is an addition that I think could, could really help the ducks. And, um, just given, I don't know if you could say this is a thin room, but just an unproven room, I think stacking weapons and adding bodies is, is definitely going to benefit them. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Aaron Smith. Cause I've been trying to hype him a little bit as well. And I, I, I was expecting him to play last year. There was a lot of really positive things they were saying about him last year in fall camp. 
Uh, and I, I do think that he had an opportunity when I, when I heard this news, uh, that was, he was the first guy I thought of because I think he's going to be the guy that's impacted the most out of that. Uh, but again, there's also somebody you got to have run scout team, right? So uh, could have an opportunity to uh, come out and, and get your feet wet and do that as well. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, for recruits, uh, you really got to embrace because if you embrace running scout team, uh, I think that actually teaches you quite a bit as well. Uh, it gives the coaching staff a real positive vibe about you. Uh, and it also lets you kind of see things from a different perspective. And some of the greatest players at Oregon ran scout team. I and mean, Michael James was a scout team runner. So you got you got to believe that, you know, scout team benefited him <laughs> uh, instead of just being thrown to the wolves. So uh, there's something to be said about that. Uh, you know, everybody's got to do their part to have the program be successful. It's the ultimate team game. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a role for everybody on the team. You just have to embrace it. You got to earn your stripes on the scout team sometimes. And obviously we've seen in, in Oregon history, it's, it's really paid off quite well for the Ducks. Not saying that's the case here with, with Whittington, but uh, you never know. So, um, man, we're at like an hour and 10 minutes, Ryan. So I think this is probably a good time to, to start winding down. But Do before it. we get out of here, I uh, want to give you a shot, a chance to plug, you know, where people can find you, what you got going on with, with, you know, your duck community and, and talking ducks. Yeah. I'm on YouTube. That's where I do everything. And then I I'm trying to be more active on Twitter. I'm trying to, you know, if I see stuff and retweet things, I've never even retweeted before this year. I'm, I'm, I'm not that uh, in, into it, but, but I, I try to connect out there, uh, you know, Instagram, any of those other kind of things, but YouTube is, is my favorite platform. You know, YouTube was created, uh, 2005. And I think I started my channel maybe 2010 or 2009 or something. And I just love the platform. I think it's great. And I love to see everybody using it and having a great time out here. And like I said before, you know, I'm, I'm here for the fans. So, you know, even, even in this off season, I love to have this opportunity where you have the, the live stream and, and, and get to have the fan interaction. And I'm actually a big believer in also trying to build on that and trying to do uh, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Zoom calls where you have a bunch of people kind of come in and, and share what their thoughts are. So, again, if you're interested and you want to join the channel, you want to be on the show, you, you, you like what you see, you've been watching for a long time, hit me up, man. Let's do it. Let's chat. <laughs> Definitely head on over to Ryan's channel, Sports Chat 503, and subscribe to him. He has a lot of great content, a lot of awesome conversations about the Ducks. I think that's what's so awesome about talking to you, Ryan, is I, I kind of just – get to pick your brain and think about maybe there's other aspects of stuff going on with the ducks that I'm not quite thinking about. So definitely go over and check Ryan out. He does a lot of great stuff and, and he's got a lot of great energy that I, I just try to, you know, grab a small piece of it in these live streams to, to share with you guys. But I want to, you know, plug where you can find more of me. If you guys want to find more of me, you can find me on Twitter, follow me at M sports, and you can obviously find me on YouTube at Oregon football, Max Taurus for you guys that are here. Thank you for stopping by. And then I also want to plug Ducks Digest forums. You can see our post from today. Steven, he's someone that we've had on the channel regularly. Uh, he's had today's post just about uh, Bob Gregory, uh, the new analyst for Oregon, the new reported hire for the Ducks. So we like to get up on here. And uh, sometimes I drop little recruiting nuggets uh, for you guys. So sometimes you can find them here before I put it on Twitter or uh, before I put it over on Ducks Digest. So it's, it's free to sign up. And I definitely recommend you guys go check it out. That's just ducksdigestforums.com. And then you can also find the podcast on Stitcher. We just got on Stitcher, so shout out to Stitcher. And then Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 
I could ramble on and on about all the other places you can find us, but we'll have it in the description. Got to give a big shout out to Ryan for coming on. And uh, thank you guys, everyone that tuned in to uh, talk some ducks with us. Appreciate you guys stopping by. That'll do it for this episode. Take care, you guys. Have a good weekend. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.